I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gobbler Country podcast, where today we'll discuss a lot of things going on in Hokie Country. As First of all, the Furman game, the 24-17 Hokie win. We'll also discuss the new coaching hire. I'm your host, Brian Manning, and joining me is my co-host, John Schneider. John, how are you this evening? Oh, it's it's Tuesday evening, and it looks like we're seeing the weather report saying it might. We might get a day of fall next it, it, on Thursday. That's kind of invigorating sounding. Temperatures yeah, in the 40s at night. That's, I love uh, the I love the summer. I never really want the warm weather to end, but it, it would be nice to have a fall day. Yeah, in this case, it's football season. It's time to be football. And my sunburn from Saturday's game seems to have faded fairly quickly, but still, that was a little that was a little painful. Yeah, well, speaking of painful, uh, how about that 24-17 win? Well, it does count as a win. There's a lot of reasons for pessimism among Hokie Nation. Well, I have I have two two responses to that. Everybody's got to be patient. I wrote about this three years ago when Fuente started, when they hired Fuente. Everybody's got to be patient. Turning a program around takes six years. And this program was not where people think it was in 2015. This program was in really dire strait, not operating right. We forget that the zero zero, and we lost three to nothing to Wake Forest. We tend to forget that. We we that that slips our mind. We were struggling for a long time after 2011. Uh, you know, the recruiting fell off in 2007, 2008. They they converted a tight end to a quarterback because they had no quarterback prospects. When they finally did find a quarterback, he was only eligible for two years. You know, Michael Brewer was only eligible for two years. And then he got hurt <laughs> on top of that. So, and then when he had nobody around, supporting cast around him to help him out much, I mean, he... He was constantly under pressure. This team, we forget, was not all that good between 2011 and 2015. In four years of really bad struggle. And uh, when you're you're speaking of that Wake Forest game, where it's a lasting image of uh, Coach Beamer when the score was zero zero going into overtime, and Coach Beamer had his arms raised in the air, was one of the more embarrassing moments and. 
I felt terrible for Beamer because it was one of the most embarrassing moments in, in recent Hokie history. Yeah. And so what's happened is, is that the new head coach had to absorb all of the players that were in the stream, sort out all of the players who would help him, who could make a difference, and then start to try to recruit. Because from what I'm hearing from our recruiting sources out there, the recruiting had died off. It, was, it wasn't functioning right from 2007, 2008 on. Well, that's a, that's a reflection of, the, of Beamer not wanting to recruit, not getting on the road anymore. And it's also a, a Bud Foster and those guys got lazy too as far as getting out and recruiting. And, and Bud's, to, even with Fuente on board, Bud's not – Bud's kind of uh, – he picks and chooses who he really wants to go after. And we've seen Dax Hollyfield and Dylan Rivers that were big targets of his over the last few years. But, but other than that, you're, you don't really hear of Bud being too active on the trail. And that's really, that's really hurt it because I think if Bud was actively involved on the recruiting trail, Bud's the kind of guy that could win kids over and parents over. So it's, it's really hurt the, the recruiting in that aspect. Yeah, so so now we have redoing recruiting. You have a coach who came from the middle of the country with a whole different social ethos in the middle of the country who moves to the East Coast in the Eastern region. And he's now having to completely change the way he thinks and acts and reacts to the primary mission of the head coach, which is recruiting, right? And I think there are mistakes being made, and I think there are fits and starts being made. I think people are getting missed that should not be missed. I I think there's some miscalculations going on. And all of this is a learning process that you always see in a program that was in deep, steep decline that is now has a younger coaching staff that is now trying to reignite everything again. You're just seeing the normal churn of restarting all of this stuff. Well, I don't just... think Fuente's, Fuente's not really winning over a lot of people, though. With the, I don't know if it's the how he treats the press, how he's so tight-lipped. I don't, I don't know if it's uh, – you know, I, I don't know if we spoke about the incident with the top player in the, cl- in the class of 2021, Tony Grimes, a cornerback out of the Virginia Beach area, where his father, who came on, who was interacting with some Hokie fans on – social media and said that him and him and his son had been to the campus numerous times and the coach hasn't even spoken to him. And that, that, that to me was alarming. And of course, once he said that they got back to Fuente who quickly called him and the, and the father said, we're cool now, but that's, that's a troubling thing where the coach really has to, he doesn't have to do some of the things like Lane Kiffin does, but he really does need to interact with these kids, build relationships because the class of 2021 20, is going to be the first complete cycle because he's had these kids throughout all of high school to build relationships yeah. with him for years. This is, this is the, this is the big one. This is and if people he, who if say, he, Oh, he's had three years or four years. No, he's had two years. Nail the if he can't nail the class of 2021, then, then we're in trouble here. But even if you stroke everybody, even if you give all the offers, even if you pat all of the backs, and 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 shake all of the hands and hand out all of the t-shirts and all the kitsch and the bags and the cool pictures with the uniforms on and they do all of that stuff the kids actually got to want to come here and 
at, at some particular point in time, that sits in the lap of the athlete that you're trying to get to come here. The and, school's done a good job in recent years of the presentation aspect. It, the thing about it is you you go to a, the Notre Dame game last year, the Clemson game a couple of years ago, and, and the atmosphere is as good as any in college football. The only problem is they don't win. You're gonna, you're gonna. That's right. Kid, you're not winning if you're not winning those kids, recruiting football games. But the kids don't. When it comes to these high school kids, they don't really care so much about who's winning and losing. They care about being romanced and 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 followed on social media, begged to come here. They also care about if they can play early, and those are some aspects where with all and, the and we were talking now, about this before. Fuente's the old-fashioned Midwestern coach. He doesn't believe in that crap. Period. Well, that to know. him is total crap. You know, you earn everybody on the team every year has to earn their depth. I get that. Part of the depth I term. agree with earning it. We all have to earn it. This is a different era now, and 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 we're we're from different eras. We're just ten years ago or more. That's not how it was, but that's how it is now. If he can't handle that. He probably should be coaching Murray State. And some some respects, you know, there are a lot of people that would like to have him seem to go that way. Uh, let's just talk about one reality, and then we're going to dive into Furman. The one reality for all those people who want to fire fire the, the 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 coach, and we've seen it on the Facebook page, we've seen it coming by on Twitter. Ladies and gentlemen, this athletic department cannot afford to fire. Justin Fuente and his staff, because when you fire the head coach, you fire the staff. The total payout is somewhere between fourteen and fifteen million dollars. Well, let, let me let me jump in there and say I am not an advocate of firing Fuente. What I want Fuente to do is get better on the recruiting trail, put more effort out there. Yeah, and that's and, and, and that's what we're do. trying to say, the both of us together, folks. Please listen, be patient. This is a learning experience for a coach that's learning a new area. And and some of these mid these coaches are also learning that as Brian brings up, learning these new kids are different. These new athletes are different. They respond to different stimuli. They don't they don't play the old game where where uh or like my coach in, in, in my first year of football, he was a Green Beret and, and a three-year combat veteran, and I'm it, it's 100 degrees, and he's screaming in my ear hole. It, it was all like the Green Berets. He, he ran his training program like a Green Beret training program. The kids wouldn't put up with that nowadays. No, but no, but this is but this is the era we're in, and there's no going back, sadly. No, so it's, it's, so, so to, those adjustments are going to happen to me. You, you have to adapt, and it's something he knew when he took and, the job. And here's the adaption. We're going to talk about it in the second segment. The the adaptation in the second segment is a new hire for a new, or the third segment, the the new hire for for uh, Jerry Kill. I think that's one of the reasons why Jerry Kill is in the door. We'll throw it over to our sponsors. Take a quick break. Come back, and we'll we'll kind of recap the Furman game quickly. We won't get too much into it because it's in the past, and then we'll jump into Jerry Kill before we wrap things up today. Here's a word from our sponsors. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Hokies defeated Furman 24-17 on Saturday. And as we discussed in the opening segment, it was a little close for comfort, but they're there were some positive developments. I think um, two players who really stood out for me were offensively was running back Keyshawn King, the true freshman who we've raved mm-hmm. about all summer, and defensively sophomore Rover Shamari Connor. Uh, Connor, I got a couple of good pictures of Connor. He had a really critical sack, of course, then then it was the fumble where that embarrassed Trey Turner and Trey Turner turn that embarrassment around and instead of sulking turn that embarrassment around gritted his teeth and came up with a couple of really great plays that that turned of course both of them had to do with their touchdowns and and both of them were were the w- winning factor in the game so you know there were some good things we saw Trey Turner really step up we saw Chamari Connor He's he okay. He's he's the he's a starting defensive back. He's not I, coming out. I misspoke on Shamari. Actually, he's a whip, not not a rover. Yeah, the he's well, Reggie, well. The rover's Reggie Floyd says. So. Yeah, the rover's Reggie. Shamari's the, the 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 whip, which means it's the same. Okay, it's not the same technique, and and depending on the defense, the whip is an extra slash whip rover slash strong safety. It's just that the whip plays the strong safety position more like. A, uh, a traditional will linebacker and the the uh, the rover is more like a traditional strong safety that's for those people that don't understand most hockey fans are pretty familiar with the whip and because of they we've had so many good ones over the years but um, yeah as far as connor goes what an excellent day he had 11 tackles he picked up his second sack of the year he's he get he's rushing the quarterback he's down, playing downhill in the running game, he doesn't miss tackles. He's active in the passing game, and he he plays with attitude. This team, de- this defense, needed someone to play with attitude. And Connor's quietly developing into a leader for this year, and he's an outstanding play. He's going to be an outstanding player, and uh, I couldn't be more impressed with him so far. I was pretty happy with Caleb Farley. He made a critical turnaround. Of course. His interception was kind of a cherry on top, but he played pretty good lockdown corner uh, on Saturday, and I was pretty pretty happy with that. They didn't get away with too much downfield at all, and uh, and so they they had to have the underneath passing game. Now, like I said in the game at the end, when I, I said I think I want to hire. Furman's offensive court. I want them to hire Furman's offensive coordinator because Furman's offensive coordinator, he was calling a good game. That Furman called it. Furman is a much better team than people thought, and they called a really, really good game. They, they, they just opened up the bottle and they just said, "Okay, this is it. We're going for the whole thing." If I'm not mistaken, I think Furman was ranked 13th in the FCS poll last week, and yeah. they're traditionally a top 25 team in the FCS. And they're, I was, I'm very impressed by their their offensive design. I think it's, I think their offensive design is at times better than than Justin Fuentes or Cornelson's, whoever designs this offense. But 
they, they don't have quite the the playmakers that Tech has, but they but they have. I, I really like that quarterback Granger. He was, he, he was uh, much better than the ODU quarterback a week ago, and and I would even take him over Anthony Brown from from Boston College. That kid's got a ton of potential. It wouldn't surprise me to see him playing at a bigger school sometime in the future. Yeah, it, I, it, I could see him transferring. I'd love. I, I I wouldn't mind seeing somebody like that on our side. <laughs> he was good. I was very impressed. I was very impressed by Furman. Period. So we. We know that, that what happened happened. Let's put that in the past. We're about halfway through our segment here. Let's go on to talk about the most significant thing that happened this week, which is the hiring of Jerry Kill, who used to be the head coach of the, the uh, as my friend from Minnesota says, he calls them the rodents, the gophers, uh, the golden gophers, Minnesota golden gophers. They have... Um, he he had some health problems. I'm not going to go into what those were or what they weren't. That's not my business. But he had some, he had some episodes on the sideline, and the doctors told him you're not coaching anymore. So he's been he's been going in and out of being athletic or assistant athletic director uh, slots for Southern Illinois, and uh, I don't think he's been happy with that. It, it, that's all paperwork, you know. Athletic director is boring for a coach, for a football guy. I know. I know Jerry Keel began his coaching career back in 1985 at Pittsburgh State, and then, which is out there in Kansas, I do believe. Yeah. But then he coached um, a ton of different places over the years, smaller schools. He got his first head coaching gig in 1994 at Saginaw Valley State, and then he went to Emporia State, Southern Illinois, Northern Illinois, and then he ended up at Minnesota. And he has kind of a reputation as a program builder, which I found interesting because that's as Fuente tries to put his stamp on the program. It's not a total rebuild here, but he's it's a there was some a lot of work to, to be done, as we discussed. And I think Kill can help him with that, with his experience. And and also he jumped into the role of athletic directors. You stated there and I noticed uh, he hired seven new coaches in in different sports for Southern Illinois. And he also was very proficient at raising money, which so he, his roles could he could have a lot of wear a lot of hats here as special assistant to the head coach. I, I'm I'm seeing um, so I, I answered somebody on on the Facebook page today. So, something important for people to remember: this program is still in transition, and these are the hard years. These are the hard two years in it in it any like six year transition period where all of your new players are freshmen and sophomore. All of your older players are starting to leave. They were either old program players or they they have hung on or they're guys that you got in extra, you know, like the, the, like transfers and junior college guys and stuff. So you don't have a whole lot of long-term leadership on the football field, and you certainly don't have a long-term experience. And what, what that translates into is it is really, really hard to get quality wins. You know, just getting a, a, a tough win is sometimes can be a victory in that in these transition years. And I think hiring a guy like Kill says, okay, I need an extra brain. I need somebody who's done this too, so that I can talk to you and, and give me some ideas on where 
Where would you go? Where do you think we should go? What do you think we should do? How do you think we should handle this? Sometimes you would do that with your athletic director, but remember, your athletic director is your boss in, in theory. I mean, after, after Kiel resigned midway through the 2015 season with the health issues, as you referenced, he showed back up in Rutgers in 2017 as an offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, which I, which I find very interesting because he has a reputation as a a bit of an expert in the running game. We all know the struggles in the running game now. I think when he was at Saginaw Valley State for those five years, it was Division Two at the time, and in two of those seasons, he led the Division Two in rushing and once in total offense. So he has a little, he has some expertise in that area, and I think this team could use it and he also has experience working with quarterbacks closely so i find this there's so many elements of this hire that i find fascinating and i think can pay off for the hokies yeah it is um and i looked up his resume and i remembered what happened with uh, with minnesota during the years that he was coaching and i'm like hmm this one this is intriguing we're losing we're losing foster it looks like they're going to have to make some adjustments in the coaching staff and the way things go uh, for next year to make some turns. And um, I think uh, after the break, we're going to come back to uh, a little bit about wh where we think that this might end up going and what it's going to touch. And then we'll probably talk about what we've got coming up for the next week and a half mm -hmm. before the bye. Okay. And we'll be back after a few words and settle this one out and finish up with uh, maybe some positive words. As we look back at the hiring of Jerry Kills, we noted in our, in our story yesterday that there are some restrictions on his position as assistant to the, the special assistant, the head coach. He cannot work on field with the players, so he can't. But he can watch practice. He can go to the games, so the, he can do pretty much most of the things and that's and I think Justin Fuente was wanting him for a role like this maybe to, to decrease the pressure because he doesn't really have any responsibilities so th this is a good hire on so many levels I'm excited about it to see if he can actually help the team and there is an interesting uh connection between him and Fuente besides the fact that they coached against each other in the directional Illinois schools in the early 2000s Gary Patterson, the TCU coach, the great TCU coach, actually, who was Justin Fuente's mentor, is Jerry Kill's best friend. So I wonder if Fuente actually went to Patterson looking for some advice and he requested Jerry Kill. Yeah, I, I really love it. I think that having an experienced guy, not having to worry about the kids, you love the kids and everything, but the head, that's the head coach's business. Somebody that the head coach can go to and say to other coaches, where do we need to tweak this? What problems are we having with the running game? Why is this play not working? What are we doing wrong? You know, get another set of eyes on it. What are we doing wrong? I mean, there were a couple of plays in the game where where this one high school coach who um, I think he he was uh, he was having a little extra um, energy. Uh, from somewhere I don't know what it was but he was all mad at me because of the fact that uh, there was a pass pattern where 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 it was uh, it was there was an up route and it was it was too deep the pattern was way too deep and we needed eight nine yards for it again this was 
third in Panicsburg, and we needed eight, nine yards, or actually 11 yards for the first down or 12 yards for the first down. And instead of having patterns underneath, they had one pattern deep on the right sideline that the receiver broke back into the quarterback down downfield, back toward the sticks, back. And it was read as a break up toward the goal line, toward the flag, and the ball was thrown away. Well, he's like mad at the at the this guy is mad. So he threw the ball in the wrong. He he made the wrong read. He he should have because he was stacked over. He made the wrong. And, and I'm like, he guessed. He did what anybody else did. Is he he was desperate and he guessed. What I find is is that we have too many people who have tracked thinking. Who who this is the way this play should run. Well, the defensive back did something unusual. The the receiver did did something unusual too. The receiver broke back instead of breaking up. The receiver broke back toward the line of scrimmage. He maybe the receiver read it wrong, not the quarterback. The point is is that it's a dynamic situation. I'm hoping that a wise head like Jerry Kill will come in and help our offensive staff sort through some of these things and get better at handling these dynamic situations on the field where stuff doesn't go the way they want it to, that the play didn't exactly work the right way, or that they didn't have enough routes in first down situations to challenge the defense to not have a one-on-one -on -one out in the middle of nowhere and then nowhere else to go. You had one route to throw to, and it was covered. So I'm hoping that Kill can correct some of that stuff. His his timing in coming here is good because the Hokies have a week off, so he can get here and get adjusted as the Hokies are off this week, as I mentioned. And then they play a rare Friday night game next Friday night in Lane Stadium, 7 o'clock, September 27th, as they face the Duke Blue Devils in a very important ACC game as the Hokies can ill afford to drop to 0-2 in the ACC. Yeah, this is this is the um, another big enchilada, but oddly enough, I think every game from now on is going to be a critical game. I was looking at okay, we have the Rhode Island game that's going to come up. That doesn't count for anything. That's a scrimmage. It might count for a win loss record, you know, in general non conference, but the Rhode Island game doesn't count for bowl eligibility. So if we don't get to six games, we don't go to a bowl. Now, at some point in time, I'm like, you know, that's a monkey on our backs that maybe maybe would be nice to be off our backs, that streak, that bowl streak. No, I'm not changing my mind on our Commonwealth Cup keep. That's not where I'm going. I'm, I'm just saying that, that, that we've got a couple of monkeys on our back that we put up there ourselves that that maybe need to be changed or maybe need to be refocused and and uh the 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 fact is is that every single ACC game coming up is is a do or die game we have to win them well the the Duke game is an interesting one because they they lost some key guys last year including quarterback Daniel Jones who is of course in the news today as the Giants benched Eli Manning for Daniel Jones but they, they... <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry <laughs> yeah. sorry should have happened a long time ago, but uh, 
But this is a Duke team that's always well coached. And while they may lack some experience this year, sounds kind of familiar on the Virginia Tech front, they will present a challenge for the Hokies. Anyone is going to present a challenge for this team, let's, let's be honest. But the Hokies need this win, especially coming off an off week. Yep. It's it, it, And hopefully with, a, with some work and some air and a few things, a few people off the injured list, a few critical people that that that, that uh, will get a um, okay. Was I don't know if the defense is going to be much worse off next week against Duke, or and I really don't think that that's going to be a bad thing. I think the defense will handle Duke. What I'm worried about is the offense. What's happening with the offense and why? There's nothing being done. Okay, we had a certain number 35 who once they started running to the outside and taking advantage of the uh, the, the counters and taking advantage of the speed, you know, the, the zone blocking, and he's running with his head up and picking creases. He tore it up. He made the ACC team this week. He was announced for the ACC yeah. team this week. He, him and Shamari Connors, I mentioned he's, earlier. He's Sean King. Yeah, it, both it, both of them are, are are really turning heads. This team is everybody's got to be patient. This team is just running into knee high walls right now. Hopefully, At some point, it's going to learn how to step over them. Hopefully, Taiwan Garbutt will be back in that game because I think we were all excited about seeing what he could do this year, and the Hokies need him. And I I, I think Emmanuel Belmar's really stepped up. He's not your prototypical pass rusher, but he's done a good job. Nice, he's, he's been good. And but Eli Adams is the one to watch. He's really coming on, and I think while him, oh, and he was all over the place. I got pictures of forty six everywhere. Yep, well, I was excited about him in high school. He was a, like a three star recruit. But if you just go back and watch him, he had he been bigger, he would have been a much more prize recruit. I'm really excited about him. Him and Garbutt could be a good duo for this team. Yeah, I mean, there, there are some really nice pieces that have big, fat Fs in front of their names. Whether it's an R, little R, big F, or just a big F. We we are playing a team. Uh, my son had, had a phrase last week uh, when we were talking about this, Joshua. He goes, Dad, we were young and inexperienced last year, and that was not an excuse. It was a reality. He said, I don't know how we did it. I don't know how we pulled it off, but we got younger and more inexperienced this year. Yeah, and if you, and we've gotten, we've signed what, uh, as we talk about the recruiting, because it's, it's bad because we see the class of 2020s rank so lowly, but if we go back and look at the last two classes, we've signed numerous four-star guys. So that youth, there's talent in that youth. It just needs experience. Yep. Well, uh, we got to get going. Uh, we're running out of time, and you're running out of tissues. So <laughs> yep. I know Brian's got a fall cold. It's coming on. Yeah, the first so, one of the year. Oh, boy. Yeah. So uh, let's let's give it a Give it our usual uh, good luck with everybody this week in the bye. Go find some football games to watch. Hopefully it gets cool. And we'll see you uh, sometime this weekend with a new podcast as a lead-up. So go Hokies. Have a good week, Hokies.